0: Emerging fraud schemes such as cash outs that exploit the ATM channel are a constant reminder for the banking industry that ATM-related fraud is not going away. As new schemes emerge, tried and true attacks such as skimming are ongoing. So how is the industry countering some of this? Here we have Graham Mott of Link, the United Kingdom's ATM network. And also a featured speaker at information security media groups upcoming fraud summit in london to talk about emerging attacks and steps banking institutions and other atm deployers are taking to shore up atm related fraud defenses hi i'm tracy kitten with information security media group graham before we get started could you just give us a little background about what you do at link
1: uh, yeah, my role at Link, i uh, have got a number of different roles that includes um, external relations. But as far as frauds concern, um, I deal with managing fraud through the Link scheme. So that's liaising with our members, liaising with uh, police forces, government agencies, and things like that. So it's really to uh, make sure, make sure the communication channels are open, and uh, making sure that all the intelligence that we get is shared among all the participants. I also have got contacts uh, across Europe and across the wider world. Uh, and again, it's making sure, as fraud is such an international crime, how we're seeing techniques move from country to country very, very quickly, and making sure that in both uh, in the UK that we're aware of, of techniques that uh, are happening elsewhere, and we may see in the UK very shortly and equally, uh, when we see developments in the UK, and the UK often is, is sort of ahead of the game, we see things sometimes a bit earlier in the UK, that other countries which may be getting these at some point in the future are aware of them and can start to sort of anticipate them or even recognize them when these techniques start happening in their area.
0: Graham, as I noted in the introduction, Link is the United Kingdom's ATM network. So this is a network that's dedicated just to ATMs?
1: That's right. Yeah, the Link's, Link scheme connects effectively every ATM in the country. Uh, and all major card issuers are members of the of the link scheme. So that includes uh, very large banks, um, you know, international banks, or banks which are known across the world, HSBC, Royal Bank of Scotland, Barclays, etc. smaller banks uh, and, and building societies, which are mutual organizations we have here in the UK. Uh, and then also we've got a number of independent ATM operators, which is one of the features, actually, of the UK market. And these are companies uh, which, which mostly specialize in... Uh, ATM services, they, they install and manage ATM networks, sometimes very large ATM networks. Uh, they don't have account holders as such. Their business model is based around placing ATMs in places where customers like them and then either making money on the interchange, so the fees they receive um, when other people's cars use them or directly from customers. But the—I uh, they they're a big part of the UK network, so, so it's a very diverse network with a very large and small members, and so we cover every ATM in the country, so it's about 65,000 ATMs across the UK at the moment.
0: And so you really do have a unique perspective, I, I, would, I would guess, Graham, because you are dealing with banking institutions as well as these independent ATM deployers, and you also have everything on one network, which is, is somewhat unique relative to what we see in the U.S. How would you say that Lynx intelligence regarding ATM fraud is different or unique from other industries or associations throughout the world?
1: As you say, the advantage is we are seeing all transactions, at least we're seeing all transactions which occur between financial institutions. We're not seeing those where a bank's customers use their own machines. They will be on their own proprietary networks. But it does mean, say, we get a very good picture uh, and the number of what will be caught and there's transactions, transactions across our networks, very high, probably uh, between uh, two-thirds and three-quarters of all transactions are of that type. There are a lot of ATMs in the UK. So it gives us a very good opportunity to um, to identify where attacks are happening, uh, to see what the techniques are, because if someone is defrauding an ATM, they're, they're not going to care where the customer comes from. They're going to look for all the customers. So a new technique will almost certainly affect our members very, very quickly, which means you have got a good position to identify transactions, fraudulent transactions, and identify their friends and see what's happening, what are the new techniques, Uh, which are the new areas that the forces are looking at. Um, And so it also means when we find something out, we can disseminate it very quickly, uh, very effectively to every ATM operator in the country so everyone is getting the same information at the same time.
0: So, Graham, based on some of the information that you've collected and this perspective that's somewhat unique that you have, what would you say seem to be the top three ATM-related fraud worries for ATM deployers right now?
1: I think there's, uh, there's probably three, three areas and we're seeing a sort of a divergence of, of techniques um, with, with the criminals. And at one end we're seeing a sort of a move back to, to very simple non-technical type frauds. So these are like the cash trapping, card trapping, things like this, which are uh, technically fairly straightforward. They don't involve complex electronics on the whole uh, and they can be perpetrated by one individual working on their own. Uh, which is both from the criminal subject is one of the attractions. You know, armed with relatively simple bits of equipment, you can either collect cards or you can collect the cash, and, and you can perpetrate you know profitable criminal enterprise in that way. You don't have to belong to a large complex organisation. You're not having to sell on data. You're not having to buy techniques or or equipment from other people. So, so I think this is always always a threat um, because. Sometimes these techniques, which are very simple uh, and and easy to copy, can can be quite difficult to stop because they use sometimes a complex technical solution. Jamming, for example, may not work against something like that. Um, And sometimes they can be difficult to identify as well because in in some cases, for example, cash trapping where the customer doesn't get their full or or the amount of cash that they've they've requested, uh, sometimes that may not show up on the ATM's log. Uh, the customer may not report it. And they may think that it's going to be reversed automatically. Sometimes it may be reversed automatically. So you can get a sort of uh, a sort of steady drip, drip, drip of of um, fraud, which is difficult sometimes for them to identify, difficult to stop. So, so that's one of the threats, and although we're countering it, there's always a possibility you know, that there'll be new techniques around right the corner. The other end is very much at the other end of, of, of the spectrum, which is where we're looking at uh, complex techniques like malware, uh, where people uh, have very sophisticated. Um, systems uh, and computer programs which they've tried to load into ATMs which can be difficult to identify. Uh, they're managing to overcome the physical barriers so they're managing to get into the ATM to load this, the software which can then be difficult to identify and, and can have quite a large effect in a very short period of time. So you can if you manage to affect a number of machines. You can you know, extract much or all of the cache them in a very short period of time leading to pretty substantial losses. So this is difficult as well because you've got two things or two levels of protection, one is the physical protection to stop them getting into the ATM which can be difficult, uh, um, particularly if they've got you know, coercion and things like this, it can be quite tricky. And equally that the malware that they're using is, is appears to be very sophisticated uh, and is working, um, effect, or is quite effective at overcoming some of the ATM protection systems that they've got in place. So uh, both ends of the spectrum I think are an issue. So very high-tech, internationally-based, you know, these power systems are seen across the world in different countries. Uh, and on the other end, a sort of a one-man band where there's not much organisation behind him, but he can be very difficult to stop as well. So I think those are the two ends of the spectrum we're seeing uh, probably the most immediate concern. And then we've also got the things which have been going on in the past, you know, the standard traditional skinning. It still goes on. Um, it can still be profitable for, for criminals in some situations. And, and you can't take your eye off that because they are, again evolving their techniques, evolving the technology at all time, and always looking for that weak point. Because as soon as they see that weak point, that's when the ATMs start getting hit.
0: Graham, would you say that the worries that non-bank deployers have are different or vary in some ways from the concerns that banking institutions have when it comes to ATM-related fraud?
1: I, I think it does. Um, I suppose they've got some, some positives and some, some negatives. On the positive side, they don't have customers or account holders, so the result, they've probably got a less immediate reputational risk because if, if, an, if someone supported an ATM, it's not their account holder. However, they rely absolutely for their business model is on customers using their ATM. So if an ATM in a certain area has a reputation and the local start to suspect a fraud has taken place there, it can have a big problem. It's in the local paper. Uh, people stop using the ATM. It can have a big impact on that particular ATM uh, and customers stop using it and that can affect the store where their ATM is and this sort of stuff. And then other types of fraud, so the, so the malware type attacks, which result in the ATM's losing cash or so the fiscal cash disappears. That tends to have a much bigger impact on, on a relatively small organization whose sole business is running ATM networks. Now to, to a very large bank. You know, it's the loss of a million pound rights it's not a good thing by any means, but, you know, if you're Barclays Bank or HSBC, you're Royal Bank of Scotland. But, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a, a huge organization. You can bear those costs, and, and those costs are probably spread across it's not the cost of doing business, but it's towards that. You know, you've got millions of account holders. You will suffer losses across a variety of different um, causes, and that's just one. You can can bear that cost. Whereas if you're an ATM operator, you know, ATM is your sole business, uh, and, you know, the hit of of that money comes straight to your bottom line, and that can make a number of machines unprofitable, uh, and it can, you know, affect the, the whole company So. Those impacts of that sort of crime, which affects the actual ATM, result in losses of cash to the ATM, can kind have of a big impact on independent operators, which might not be, as you know, it's, it's more diluted effect on the very large
0: bank. Do you see any international nuances when it comes to ATM-related fraud? And this could be something that impacts the ATM deployers themselves who are independent from the banking institutions or the banking institutions as well. I'm just wondering if there's any kind of variance from country to country
1: no we 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 don't what we've i mean we have seen is not in the frauds space is, is you do get things migrate across from one country to another, and I suppose the, the lesson we've had from from fraud uh, and from physical attacks as well is we've, we've had a number of gas explosive attacks in in the u k uh, recently is that you know nowhere is immune, and I think any organisation or, or any country that thinks that looks at something happening elsewhere and says, well, that's never going to happen here." because and they may have a number of reasons which they, they are quite plausible why that may not happen in their country but they really need to look at that very very carefully because we've, we've certainly been caught out by things which we thought we're not going to see that here because we've got a different criminal justice system we've got a different organization of in the industry uh, criminals may just not find that very attractive and then suddenly you, you've got it happening and you, you weren't expecting it so I think you know you should really look at any type of fraud and then a wider source of crime uh, and and say well there's got to be a very very good reason why it's not going to happen because we live in an international age, we're in the international, we know, businesses travel across borders uh, and information is very very porous. You can look up stuff on the internet, you people communicate by email instantaneously and, and criminals are always looking for new techniques and new opportunities and that may either be criminals moving from country to country which is the nowadays or criminals in one country, seeing something online, talking to somebody and saying, well, we can have a go at that. And so it's, it's not the criminal migrating, it's the technique which migrates. So I think all countries need to be very, very aware of that uh, and, and, and constantly on the lookout and preparing for things. which may be somewhere else, but it, there'll be people in your country who are looking at your country as a potential target.
0: Now, Graham, as I mentioned during the introduction, you will be a featured presenter at our Fraud Summit in London on September 23rd. What are some of the highlights that you plan to present during that discussion?
1: I think the, the main message I get across really is, is how the techniques uh, evolve over time. Uh, and so, what we've seen over, over the, the past few years is is a sort of constant. It's like a, an arms race, um, or, or you know, companies trying to compete against each other. And it's, so, you've got you know um, criminals who are coming up with a technique. You've got the, the ATM operators, banks, and independents who are who invest and suppliers and or the whole supply chain are investing in, in new technology or new techniques to, to counter that. And then the criminals are reacting very quickly uh, and, and so the cycle can con, you know, continues. And I think that's, that's sort of the main message to get across is that, is that um, it's, it's trying to make sure and you're trying to stay ahead of new techniques because otherwise I think there's a, there's a risk that people underestimate um, fraudsters and this or the organisation behind them and, and end up only reacting so they're not trying to anticipate what are they going to do next. They're just looking at what they're doing now. because And, and that will inevitably leave the industry on the back foot because if you just look at what's happening now, you're going to react. In many ways, the industry can't react as quickly as the criminals because you've got very large ATM there. You've got investment cycles. You've got to buy the kit. You've got to test it and store it. And by the time you've done that, the criminals are looking at something else. So I think it's, it's really to, to try and get organizations to look at a fraud more like the way they look at their competitors. They look at the marketplace they operate in. And the same way you would sit down and say, well, look, there are competitors in this marketplace. What are they going to do that will have a a negative effect on us? And what can we do to anticipate what they're going to do and counter that before it happens? And I think that's what we need to do with fraud across the whole industry is to say, this is, you know, what are the forces going to look at? What are the weak points they're going to try and identify? And how can we fill those before the criminals identify, and I think that's the message I'd like to get across.
0: Well, Graham, we certainly look forward to seeing your presentation, and I want to thank you again for your time this morning. Thank you very much. Again, we've just heard from Graham Mott of the Link Scheme. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.